0: Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to episode 39.
1: 39 of the Slow Home podcast. This
0: is the penultimate episode for the year.
1: It is. Yeah. I can't believe that it. it's already middle of December.
0: I can't believe we've done 39 podcasts. I know. Weird. It
1: we've is. done it because
0: of you guys and your continued positive feedback.
1: Oh, absolutely. If you guys weren't listening, we would have given up.
0: <laughs> how funny would that be we're just doing this and just talking amongst ourselves no one's actually listening
1: sometimes it feels like that and then when someone will come up to me at a workshop or something like that and yeah. make comment about a joke that we made on, oh yeah you're listening yeah. so it's, um, it's, it's equal parts awesome and weird
0: exactly <laughs> exactly so episode 39 you talk to Ali
1: I do. I talk to Ali Wright, Alison Wright, who is a um, a nutritional coach. Uh, But we talk mostly about mindful eating and, um, you know, not so much digging into nutritional advice because that's, you know, a difficult thing to give kind of general (laughs) advice on. But she and I talk a lot about um, the, the process of mindful eating and the benefits of, you know, actually paying attention to what we're putting into our body and how it makes us feel because I know, like, personally I slip into the the trap of mindless eating um, more than I should even though it's probably less than it, it was definitely less than it used to be but um, yeah to, to kind of riff on that with Ali was really cool.
0: And you, um, Ali sort of came in contact with you through the um, Talent Scout <laughs> for the podcast.
1: <laughs> my dad, the yeah. Talent Scout. Yeah. Ali actually used to work with my dad um, and they were in touch just catching up and um, she was talking about her work and he's like, well, I have someone that you might like to talk to.
0: Yeah, it's a good Um, fit. But she's
1: such a lovely lady and it was really nice chatting with her for you know a good 40 minutes about food and health and wellness and her story as well because hers is one that I think a lot of people will resonate with. She just was stressed out of her brain, working too much and her health started to decline and it wasn't until she reached a crisis point, mm. which is such a common thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so many people that I talk to reach this, this point of crisis in some way and then they start making these changes. So, um, you know, she's, her goal is to help people turn their, their health around without having to reach that crisis point. But even if they have, she has such, you know, a gentle, common-sense approach to, to shifting the way that we eat. It's, um, you know, it's really kind of viable and accessible to everyone, which, you know, she talks about a lot. But, mm. yeah. So um, thanks for the introduction, Pete.
0: Absolutely. If you want to find out more about this episode, why don't you go and visit slowyourhome.com forward slash 39 where you can get the show notes to this episode. And we also, we're, we, we are hoping with two weeks to Christmas that you guys are taking the opportunity... To be mindful, slowing down, and taking a moment.
1: Yes, we are hope- mm. hopeful. It, no, it, it, it can is. Be, this
0: is the silly season. It right can now.
1: be really difficult, so I just would, you know, encourage you to just take a minute mm. and try and um, breathe and relax. And you know, when we're, when you are with friends and family, like, enjoy it. Don't worry about what's coming next. And uh, you know, easier said than done. I know, but absolutely. both looking at one another. What's next? Audible.com is next. Thank you to our sponsors at Audible.com. Um, you, can, you can grab yourself a free audiobook book uh, right now, today, if you would like, by heading to audibletrial.com forward slash slow. And um, today you might be interested in getting a copy of Julia Cameron's book, Walking in this World. Julia Cameron is the author of The Artist's Way, which is a really, really beautiful program for people who are looking to, you know, embrace more creativity. You might want to paint or write or, you know, um, cook or, you know, garden. Do something creative but you're blocked or you don't feel like you have the, the skills in you. Um, so The Artist Way is about helping you... Learn how to you know open up and engage with your creativity through a whole heap of different uh, you know exercises and things like that. But the but walking in this world is kind of like the intermediate version of that. So if you've read the Artist's Way, uh, or if you feel like you you kind of got your creativity on lockdown, but you need to to strengthen those creative muscles, that would definitely be a book that I would recommend.
0: Would you say that it's in your top three? Self-help books of all time. Yeah. The Art way yeah. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 and uh, gonna so everything get, that we're going to get interrupted here. We are, yeah, but that's okay. Yeah. Just roll with it. We're going to roll with it.
1: Uh, <laughs> so you can just head to audibletrial.com dot forward slash slow and uh, and and you can grab yourself a free copy of that book or possibly another one, absolutely, if you would, prove, if you would prefer. Um, right. So I think that's that's kind of us. Yep. We'll head on out uh, before. Actually, before I do, you can. Be sure, bleh, 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 bleh. Mm. Be sure mm. to check out Ali at alimentary.com.au Sorry. I love you. I love you too. Love you We're doing. Doing. We're doing a Pogpast. Can you say enjoy
0: the Pogpast?
1: Enjoy the podcast. Enjoy the Pogpast.
0: Enjoy the Pogpast. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. Enjoy, Bye. enjoy it. Toot-loos. Choo. How are you? Oh, I'm really well. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thank you so much for um,
2: for talking to me. No problem. I don't mind having a chat.
1: Good. Neither do I. I think we'll be <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, I'm going to jump straight into it, but yep. can you tell me a little bit about about your work now and what what it is that you do? Because uh, then I'd like to kind of use that as a Launchpad to talk about the changes you've made in your life over the last few years but um yeah just tell me a little bit about what it is that you do now
2: okay well i'm actually now a qualified nutritionist so um i'm qualified in nutritional medicine which is um it's really kind of helping people how to eat well to be well so it's um it's, it's eating to prevent or manage illness, so not about diets or anything like that, but how to kind of maximize your health and wellness energy. Um, I, I'm passionate about nutrition. I just think it's the key to so many things like your mood and your energy, how you're feeling. Um, and so I also do like a, a lot of education, uh, corporate health and well-being. I teach um, anything I can do to get the message out there into the world. Um, when I spoke to you
1: last week, the thing that struck me the most, I wrote some notes down when we were talking last week and the, at the top was passion. <laughs> like you started yeah. talking about nutrition and food and the impact it can have on individuals, but then also you know, in a wider sense on the community and you just lit up. It was so cool to listen to you talk about your passion for helping people. And even just now what you've just said, it's just so, (laughs) I think um, the thing that often freaks people out or kind of gets people's back up, including my own, when I hear people talking about, um, you know, diets and programs that are very specific about certain types of food or cutting out certain types of food, um, it's not invitational, it's not, you know, um, kind of open-armed and open-minded, It's it's. whereas what you talk about is how do we promote health and wellness through what we eat? Not so much, here's a list of rules that you must stick to yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, let's suck the joy out of everything but you must only eat these these things so that, yes, you might be healthier but, you know, it's just... I don't know. I just really, I really appreciate your approach of this kind of invitational. Um,
2: well, I mean, I think food is one of the main pleasures in life, and sitting down and eating with friends—it's like a social occasion. Um, I think the other thing as well is that, you know, everybody is different. Everybody responds to foods in different ways. To to think that you can have a diet that, you know, everybody has to stick to and they're all going to get the same results is just ludicrous. It's kind of, you know, if dieting worked, there wouldn't be so many (laughs) potions and pills out there. And I think um, particularly in the media, what gets me really angry is is, is that kind of celebrity culture as well, where, you know, this idea of having to be thin, um, and somehow you know you're going to be happy and successful if you're thin because you've like lived on a diet of cayenne pepper and lemon juice for a week it's it promotes the wrong image it's like you know you you need to be well you need to be healthy just because you're thin doesn't mean that you're healthy um, and i think that's exactly what you were saying this idea about um you know food becomes so confusing for everybody and and and, and it's just like creating a healthy relationship with food, understanding what's good to eat, what's going to make you feel better, what's going to support your immunity, give you energy. But it doesn't mean you can't have a piece of cake when you want it as well. Exactly.
1: And I think it's that striking that balance that's really important. And when yeah. that's lacking, when people are talking about food and that kind of that 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 it's okay to have a, a treat occasionally kind of approach is lacking, people... Either shut down and they think I can't do that, or yes. they go all in for a month, a week, six months, whatever. But at some point, uh, it becomes really like the tension is is incredible when you you know, when you say, I know. Well, with me personally, when when you say you can't ever have this thing again, I'm like, but that's all I want now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're setting, you're setting, you're absolutely setting yourself up to fail. I yeah. think, and even you know, I have, um, I have issues with things like you know um guilt uh cheat days like the whole idea of having a cheat day is just wrong it's the wrong kind of message to give to give across it's like you know oh i've been depriving myself all week so now i'm just going to binge on pizzas mm. and cakes and you know it's not good for your body it's not good for your mind it just does not promote a healthy relationship with food i i love my food i eat a lot um but i know how to eat to be well and i know um, when to pull back and think no you know I'm not going to have that I'm going to have more veggies today I'm going to do something different so yeah
1: I think it's when you start to understand your body and what works for you and what doesn't you know as I've yeah. as my food intake has definitely gotten it's a lot healthier it's a lot slower in terms of food it's just whole foods you know um, I'm a lot more aware of how the food that I makes me feel both emotionally and physically and I think that just takes time as well but to start understanding that means that we can kind of head it off before things get too out of control yeah
2: Yeah. it's it's hard I mean you think of I mean I like to think of myself as a reasonably intelligent person but it took me a very long time to make that connection that between what I put into my body affected how I felt Mm. like this you know what you eat physiologically affects you and yet you just you just don't make the connection i guess it's it's like if you smoke like you know it's bad for you but you just keep doing it because it's kind of addictive you, you don't want to change or something's blocking you from doing it
1: yeah and that's that's the the issue it is isn't it whether it's the fear of stopping and how hard it's going to be or the fact yeah. that you know you might not be as happy or uh it's going to change um, you know what you think of yourself in some way so um Going back to what you just said, it took you a long time to kind of make that link between the food that you're eating and how you're feeling. You, so you weren't always uh, interested in nutrition and good food and health. Is that something um, you came to after after a while?
2: Yeah. No. This is this is a kind of second career for me. If you, I mean, a few years ago, if I'd have been thought I'd be talking about health and nutrition, like I, it's been such a massive shift for me. I wouldn't. I just wouldn't have, I wouldn't have believed it. Um a lot of my friends as well they just they just they're still standing gobsmacked because they just can't understand what's happened to me <laughs> And, it was, and it's weird because, like, I was never one of those people. I was always the one who didn't do sports because I was uncoordinated. I couldn't get over the high jump because I was too small. I always dropped the ball. I, I always, you know, I hated that kind of stuff. Um, I never did any physical activity. I never really thought about what I ate. I always drank too much. I was like a dedicated smoker for years. So it's kind of, I guess... What helps with with the people that I see is that it's nice for them to know that because people that are kind of healthy all their lives, if you're not that way inclined, you just kind of think, oh, well, you know, they're just born like that. But if you can show people that, yes, it's possible at any stage to make the changes and to start kind of getting more rewards in terms of how you're feeling, then it, it's it's kind of a message of hope for people that they too can do it and it's not that hard.
1: Absolutely, and just the fact that it's never too late or, you know, you're never too far gone to make that kind of shift. Um, so with you, what was the, the catalyst? What was the moment where you decided or, or realised that you needed to make a change?
2: Well, um, so I worked for um, newspapers for a very, very long time, Um Twenty years in fact so like it was a really it was an intense job I don't think there's anything like it where you have to create this like new product every day and it's got like a really small shelf like you're always on deadline I think like for 15 years I was on call 24 7 um and it like it was a really stressful job it was there was a lot riding on it and there was a lot of conflict and a lot of big personalities and you know everything really urgent and I kind of thought that I was thriving on it, but I guess over the years things take their toll. And after like a really stressful kind of twelve months or so, I I, I kind of had my blood stern and my cholesterol was up and my glucose was up and my liver function was stuffed. I broke out in eczema everywhere, all over my arms all over my face. skin's a real sign that things aren't going well. And I kind of hurt my back and I was kind of laid off work. I couldn't drive for about two or three months and I was at home and I was just started thinking about it that, you know, I just kind of lost control of myself and I was just trying to control everything else. And um, I just thought about, you know, what value I was, what was I really contributing? I was just like this tiny cog in a massive wheel and you took me out of it and it would still run and the paper would still get out but here was me kind of donating my health and wellness to it so I just had this massive kind of shift in attitude and started to make a few like you know the doctor's um response of course to something like this is to medicate you know antidepressants um and I just I just didn't want to go down that path um, and I started to make a few little changes. I you know, I, I cut back on drinking. I ate less Tim Tams. Um, started cooking a bit better. Took up yoga. I started to feel a lot better. And then um, I was given, shortly after I was told that, that where I was working was going to close in two years. So I was given like a two-year window before I was going to be made redundant. And it was a real, I mean, it was a fantastic opportunity for me to stop and think, do I still want to do this or is this the time now where I can take control and change path and do something that one is going to be better for me and two is going to be better for everybody else. And that's when I decided to start to study nutrition because of the way that it had started to reap rewards for me and, um, I thought that it was normal to feel rubbish all the time. I thought it was normal to feel moody and get colds all the time and get bloated and feel stressed and not sleep and just be unwell. And then, you know, in my 40s, I suddenly realised, wow, this is what I've been missing out on. I've got energy and, I, you know, I don't get sick. And I just wanted to kind of pass that on. So, yeah.
1: That's That's a massive... I'm sitting here listening to you talk about first of all how the stress was affecting you physically and then you know the realization that you came to when you were laid up for those couple of months and not able to work it's just it's a massive point to come to and a massive thing to realize and then to use it as a launch pad to, to make those changes it's really inspiring because I think a lot of people listening myself included could just really relate to what you're saying you know coming to that that point where you're thinking well what am I sacrificing my health for you know what's 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 it doing doing? yeah Yeah. uh it's a really really important question that i think so many of us just don't ask because like you said we're used to feeling like crap we're used to you know being sluggish and and tired and kind of borderline sick all the time and um Yeah. yeah and stress as well is it's just such a huge factor in my personal kind of history even most even recently when i take on too much or yeah. become too stressed man it has such an impact on your health but it,
2: it, it, i mean it affects like i understand this now it kind of affects so many of your bodily systems like so you so you know that, that normal kind of stress response that that, that releases adrenaline and is then kind of supposed to kind of die down but in in kind of modern living people have got so many things coming at them from all directions that they end up being in this state of high stress all the time which releases um, loads of cortisol into the blood, which which is really a really bad way to live your life because um, many reasons it suppresses other pathways in your body, but it also makes you crave. Because your sugar goes into your blood, your cells are starved of it, so it makes you crave all the wrong foods and makes you eat wrong. It affects your immune system, so it kind of flattens that out, so you get sick a lot. Um, It affects the hormones that help you sleep. They get all out of regulation, so then you start, you know, you can't get out of bed in the morning, but when it's time to go to bed at night, you're so hyped up like, because you, you're all out of whack, that it just affects everything. And if you, even now, like you, if I start to feel that things are building up, I kind of recognize the signs and I take time out and calm it down again because I don't want to get to that stage where I'm, I just fall in a heap.
1: That's it. Having been there, you, yeah. I really want to avoid doing that again.
2: <laughs> Not good. No. <laughs> Um, But I do, you know, the thing that I notice more than anything, Brooke, is the fact that I feel so much happier. I feel um, like in terms of my mood, like I am cheerful pretty much most of the time. It drives my husband mad in the morning. But um, I I used to be get very up and down and be very kind of irritable or get really kind of fed up and low um, and really worry about things. But I just find that now that by discovering how to look after myself properly, um, I, it's affected my mood more than I would ever have thought possible. Mm,
1: that's really interesting. One, one of the realizations that I came to a couple of years ago was what I um, – what I ate for breakfast had a direct impact on the kind of day that I had.
2: <laughs> um,
1: specifically, I think it was when my kids were a bit younger uh, and at that really, you know, when I need your help, mum, I need it right now kind of age, um, yeah. you know, kind of maybe two and three, something like that. But my, if I would have something as innocuous as toast for breakfast, you know, and a coffee, I think fine, I've fueled myself, <laughs> I'm ready yeah. to go. Uh, but by the middle of the morning, I'd be craving sugar, and it was the afternoon, yes. like clockwork. I would have this huge emotional moment. Um, you know, it was probably something to do with my sugars. I have no yes. idea. But every and every day, every time, without fail, to a yeah. point where I would, I would just say to myself, "No, you have to sit down and have a proper breakfast," because I'm saving future Brooke from this tearful yes. emotional <laughs> meltdown in about seven hours. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's yeah. So like so. What um, what's happening there is if you have, if you're just having toast for breakfast, you're just really having sugar for breakfast. You need to have some kind of protein and fat with it to, to to help keep that satiety and keep your blood sugar balanced. Um, and when you and when you crave sugar and you have something really sugary, it kind of spikes your blood glucose. But what happens is then um, the insulin comes in and removes it, so it kind of takes all that energy away. So you'll have this huge high, and then you'll just bottom out and you'll just crash. And, and then you know, there's a lot of research showing this kind of impact that that sugar has on your on your on your mood and how you feel, and it, it's really quite detrimental.
1: Yeah, that's definitely been my experience. <laughs> Me too. Uh, when so, when you started making these shifts, did you try and do them all at once, or did you try and implement one change at a time?
2: Um, I so I kind of I kind of um, found my own way through it, but I, it was all about doing things um, a little bit at a time. It's I think a lot of it is kind of incremental changes. There are the the thing about changing, like kind of focusing on being well is that you can you can get really big results just from making small changes so it's kind of this the 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 theory of um crowding out which is that um instead of like taking things away or making massive changes at once it's just kind of adding positive things into your life and i think that's what i did so it kind of started with um i stopped drinking on a a work night. So I took, i stopped drinking, say, Sunday night to Thursday night, took that out and started um, drinking more water. And that immediately had an effect on me. Um, So little things that you do like that. Um, And I think for me as well, like I, somebody who'd never exercised and I started to do yoga, uh, it was only once a week. Um, but that had a major impact on me too because that was the mindfulness, the breathing, the just taking time out of that rushing around just to really focus on yourself that I think a lot of us never do.
1: Absolutely. I love the idea of crowding out crowding out the negative habits
2: with. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. It's good. So you can say like all right, so this week I'm gonna every as soon as I wake up in the morning I'm gonna drink a glass of water and I'm gonna do it every day And then next week, um, I, you know, I might um, I might have two pieces of whole fruit a day with the water. And then the week after, I'm going to make sure I start every day with a really good breakfast. And so you just keep building on it like this. And, it, you know, over a period of weeks, and what you find is... What I find with people is, is that once they get that whiff, that little kind of, oh, I feel a bit better, I feel a bit happier, I've got a little bit more energy... That then inspires them and gives them the push to keep going. So it's kind of helping them make. If if you if you if you have someone come to see you and you send them away with like fifty things to do, you're just setting them up to fail. Mm. It's kind of you know picking three things that they can do that that are really easy, but you know are going to make a big difference to how they feel. And then once they get that little burst of extra energy, then they're up and away it's amazing you see it happen so many times i love it i think
1: that's that might be one of the the big blocks to people who want to make these big changes to their food habits and their you know their behaviors they see where they are and they see where they want to be and it's kind of that seems like an insurmountable gap but if you're able to introduce these small incremental changes over time then you don't need to see you know 10 steps ahead you just need to see one step ahead yeah
2: i guess it's 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 like where are you now and 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 if where you are now is having a ham and cheese sandwich with white bread for lunch and i tell you that i want you to go make yourself a quinoa salad with five different types of vegetables and you know and grass-fed beef it's just going to be whoa not going to do that (laughs) But if you say, look, all I would like you to do is I'd like you to swap that white bread for brown bread, maybe put a bit of chicken in instead of ham and maybe a bit of tomato in there to get some veggies in there. And that's going to, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like just little steps to kind of move people along. Um, we had a, when I was still working um, in printing, when we were closing down the plant, we um, a lot of printers there and they've worked for the company for a very long time and they were all getting made redundant too. And I kind of convinced the company because I was getting like excited about nutrition to, um, to let me run a, a kind of a well-being program for all the, all the printers. And we started running some nutrition workshops which were basically based on get everybody in a room and let's we'll have a theme so we'll talk about you know good carbs and bad carbs and, and 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 how they work in your body and then we'll all make something together and we'll taste it and we'll eat it and then you know take it away and it just was such a really fun thing to do but seeing these guys who just kind of transform and get so excited about what they were eating so they'd come back the next week and we'd talk about something else and we'd make something else and then they were all going off and buying blenders to make smoothies and coming in every day to show me what was in their lunch box and you know just created this talk about it and people do want to talk about food they want to talk about what they're eating they want to do better they just don't know how
1: I think doing you know adding that community aspect as well is really important. In in an environment like that, I guess sometimes if it's not something people are talking about or actively engaged in, you don't necess- people don't necessarily want to be the first one for fear of kind of yes. being shut down. Yep. But if everyone's sitting in a room talking about good food and then learning how to make it and then how to bring it, you know how to ensure that you you bring good food from home all that kind of thing it's just it becomes part of the conversation which i think is really important because you know we still even as adults we we sometimes don't want to be the first person to make the shift for fear of being you know on the outer kind of thing it's Yeah. yeah
2: I think people get very, I mean, you can get very set in your ways with your, like a lot of it, it depends on your, you know, how you were brought up and what you're exposed to. And sometimes, you know, if you create a kind of safe environment where people can try things that they've never tried before and make it and so that you know they, they don't kind of put the kibosh on it by turning their nose up at it but they kind of open themselves up to try it you'll find that that that, that really helps but, but you know if you if you're making your lunch every day for 20 years to go into work you're just going to grab what's easy so it's yeah. trying to find little shifts there that they can that, that they can change
1: um if someone so someone's listening now and they want to start improving the food that they're eating um yes. what's where do you Where do you suggest people start? What's one small change that you recommend they could they could begin
2: with? So my um, all this study on nutrition, I would say probably boils down to one thing, which is eat more vegetables. (laughs) 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 Just eat more vegetables. Just whatever, just you know, try and add like if you have a sandwich for lunch, try and add a little a small salad. You know, have three serves of veg instead of two with your with your dinner. You know, for a snack, um, you know, chop up some some some. some celery or carrot or keep it in the fridge and have that with like a little bit of a few raw nuts or something like that. But what happens is, is that all the, all the um, minerals and vitamins in vegetables are what are these important cofactors that kind of trigger these reactions in your body to, to boost your energy and, and get your immunity working. So I, I, my, my first thing would be to eat more, eat more veggies and don't just don't drink soft drinks. Mm. (laughs) just cut them out and swap them for water because even if you are drinking um the kind of diet drinks they they still are tricking your body into reacting in a certain way so they're just not good for you they're very chemical Mm. and then and they're not good so get rid of soft drinks replace it with water and just put more veggies into you
1: this is a completely selfish question (laughs) what are your what do you think about um like tea and coffee um in moderation you know in
2: moderation so um coffee's fine in moderation um it can be a problem if you're using it because you're so tired if you're so tired that you need your coffee to get your body going in the morning then there's something else wrong and i would probably think that it would be something to do with stress um and so, like one one coffee a day, probably two some days, but not every day. I'd watch the quantity of milk that you are having in it, though. Like big cafe lattes every day. Um, tea. People react differently to caffeine, I guess. So, so for me, I'm hypersensitive to caffeine. I have one cup of coffee and I'm bouncing off the walls. So I kind of cut it out because it just doesn't doesn't work well with me but if you can tolerate coffee a cup a day is going to be fine if you start drinking more than that it can have a negative effect um with teas um i prefer i actually prefer herbal teas because they you can get some really good nutritional effects from them you can have like a like ginger tea is good for your digestion and and so and so is peppermint and chamomile helps you to relax but it's very individual. Yeah, okay. I
1: was just, I'm just, just curious. Yeah. How many coffees do you have a day? <laughs> oh, just one. Um, yeah. I used to, back in the day, when I, <laughs> actually coincidentally, when I was stressed out of my mind, yes. um, I was probably having four really yeah. strong it's black way coffees. Too, yeah.
2: Way, way, way too much, like yeah. one a day, but anything more than that. And I think, again, what happens is that it's kind of habit. Yes. And then it gets addictive. Yes. So, like... I kind of, um it's this kind of swapping thing. So if I get somebody who drinks four cups of coffee a day, I'll say to them, you know, instead of drinking that fourth cup, go and get a vegetable juice. Mm. And because that's going to give you just as much energy, you know, some celery, some ginger, you can get them everywhere now and just start swapping them out and, and kind of tailoring them off. And yeah.
1: um,
2: if you take it all out straight away, people get quite bad withdrawals
1: (laughs) i went through i did go through that once um it was interesting though just on on the habit with coffee i I was i've been quite sick the last couple of months and i just i didn't feel like coffee so i didn't drink coffee i just drank a, a heap of herbal tea yeah um and you know it didn't sort of have any adverse reactions when i was i was not drinking it anymore but i could feel now that i'm on the improve and i've started having maybe one every two days now yeah um i could just feel how easy it would be to slip back into that yes. habitual drinking i really enjoy a strong black coffee um yeah. but i'll only have the one because i don't know if it's because i'm getting older or uh i'm more attuned to it but i feel i can feel the effects of caffeine yes. a lot more than i used yeah. to
2: i think if you, you know what's really interesting is if you um your body kind of upregulates depending on what you're putting into it. So if you've kind of um like a classic example of this is sugar. Like I used to be able to eat like a packet of Tim Tams, absolutely no problem, one sitting I could probably eat in two. But since I've kind of been more careful about what I eat, if I if I have a lot of sugar, it actually makes my heart race. Mm. Um, and 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 it's the same with coffee. So your body's not used to those strong stimulants anymore. Um, it's kind of down-regulated because it's not so used to, to, to having them. And then when you put them back in, it kind of reacts much more strongly than it did when you were having, like, high levels of it. That yes. makes sense. It does make sense,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm actually quite glad for it to be slowly, you know, drifting out of my life <laughs> rather than the other way. <laughs> I
2: had, um, so... Last year, this time last year, I got very badly concussed. I got hit by a steel gate in a in a in a um, storm. Like, oh my it, goodness! I was it was awful. It was like um, it absolutely knocked me for six. And for about three months, I suffered from really bad concussion. And and concussion was just like a big bucket of anxiety had been tipped over my head. And I got really worried about the fact that I'd made this massive change in career and all of a sudden I couldn't remember what I did five minutes ago. And I was finding it really difficult to connect um, words with thoughts. Mm. And so I I went on this um, herbal teas. I, I, I got a, a naturopath to mix me up my own special concoction, which was the kind of anxiety, relaxation, looking after that. And um, I found that they had a huge impact on keeping me calm and, you know, controlling the anxiety. And so, like, it's something that I would always recommend to people as well. It's like, you know, kind of don't turn your nose up at, like, people, you know, like, oh, I'm not going to drink green tea or I'm not going to drink herbal tea. But it actually has a really healing effect and it can be really good for you, um, you know, a cost-effective way, something that you can incorporate into your day and it can have this really kind of mellowing, calming effect on you.
1: It's so beautiful. I always start my morning with a, like a lemon and ginger tea or a peppermint tea and usually have a chamomile. Yeah. Right? Um, even if it's just those two in the morning because uh, I used to start my morning with a really strong black coffee and then it just became really abundantly clear that it was so harsh on my my digestive system to start my morning with that. Yes. It just yeah. – it didn't – it stopped feeling good so I stopped doing it. But, yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of herbal teas. Yeah. Um, so I asked you, you know, the the best way, the best place for people to begin, what's the biggest kind of mistake that you see people making as they try to, to navigate through all of this ludicrous amount of information on food and health that's (laughs) available? You know, you turn around and there's five new books and 17 new blogs and, you know, I um, think that, yeah,
2: yeah, I, I think that's probably the biggest mistake. I think the biggest mistake that people make is to diet, to go on a diet. I think, um... Or to try and follow something that's restrictive so that rules out unless you have food sensitivities or are reacting to something, which, you know, as many people do, then, you know, there's no need to rule out whole food groups and not eat things. Um, so I think that placing this um, restriction on yourself, the term diet and trying to follow set plan is um can just really bring about failure it it creates all these kind of negative associations with food I think the 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 way to success is to kind of just so they talk a lot about mindful eating and like mindful eating is like just trying to have this kind of shift and trying to think about food is something that nourishes you so what 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 is this food how is it making me feel how is it going to make me feel and think about if it's in a packet if it's processed you know just try to avoid that so it's basically just try to kind of shift the emphasis of your diet from away from anything in a packet to kind of whole foods fresh vegetables and really clean protein so you know meat where you know where it's come from so it's not like sausages and hamburgers and things like that um and, and i think that that's that's really the main thing that you need to think about you should, also, I think the thing with diet, you feel like you're you're cutting back and you're not eating. But if you're eating the right kind of foods, you can eat a lot more of them. So that you don't really need to feel hungry and you don't really need to feel that you're depriving yourself of anything. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think that idea of mindful eating and like a mindful approach to how is my food making me feel yeah. is really powerful, you know, it's just switching your brain on to pay attention to not only what are you putting in your mouth, rather than just seeing it as a convenience fuel, I'm hungry, I need to put something in, just making that switch to, to thinking... Just, you know, half a step ahead. What's going to make me feel better? Because I know I could go and eat hot chips for lunch, and I guess I wouldn't be hungry anymore. But an hour later, I would feel sluggish and horrible. Yeah. And, you know, and then it's... you'd,
2: and then and then you'd want your muffin. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think the thing I love the idea about mindful eating. Um, it's be, because so like your your body. Um, your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest system, you need to switch that on and to engage it to kind of digest and absorb your nutrients properly. So if you're like running around like stressed in your kind of, you know, fight or flight mode, your sympathetic nervous system, and you're grabbing something and you're eating it on the go, you know, your body is not going to assimilate those those nutrients. It's not going to absorb them properly because it's in the wrong kind of frame of mind mm. to do it. So the idea of mindful eating is that you actually create time and space to sit and enjoy your food. So then if you've got a family, you know, don't eat in front of the telly, sit at the table, turn your mobiles off, you know, sit there and make it look pretty, eat your food slowly, chew it well, you know, not, don't reach for another forkful before you've finished, you know, the one that you've got in your mouth. Um, it just it just create that time and space. It, eating should be really pleasurable it should be sociable it should be something that you enjoy and and that's so many of us kind of kind of grab on the go and like running around like eating in cars and you know quick meals and then then just mindless eating without thinking about it and that one will will, will, it will overeat and two um it will we might not be digesting it and absorbing it properly and and you, you lose a lot of the pleasure out of food
1: yeah and it's sort of two things that you you just Spoke about which I think are, I mean, they're right up my alley. Sitting down and actually <laughs> making time for the ritual of sharing a meal. You know, it doesn't need to be fancy, but just no. be intentional about it. You know, yes, um, actually share that that time. Uh, I was reading recently about the impact that taking smelling our food before we eat it yes. has on on our digestive system you know it because yes. it releases um i guess saliva and then yeah, there's science. other reactions and that yeah. helps us digest the food in a much more efficient way too which i found really fascinating
2: yeah the sense of smell is incredible like it's part of the di- that whole digestive system like it it triggers things like also the release of saliva which has all the enzymes so that digestion really starts in that kind of you know mouth area where you where you're breaking things down and also as you chew food properly it releases the flavor more so if you're just like kind of gulping it down like we you know in our in our family like I've consciously had to slow down eating like you know we could like clear a plate in like five minutes you know I win you know I finish first it's like and then you know I would then finish up everybody else's meal as well because like the, the the you're not chewing it you're not savoring it you're not getting the flavors and the other thing as well is it takes time for the food to go down your your um, gastrointestinal tract so it's not going to hit your stomach so you're not going to be triggering those feelings of fullness if you kind of gobble something down in 10 minutes and then of course you're still hungry so you're looking around to eat something else so if you practice that you know enjoyment of food and creating that really nice environment to eat in and savor it and take your time and um, it's it, it's going to have so many benefits
1: yeah that's that's right up my alley I really love that, that <laughs> just making that time for it you know not only in terms of the food but also in terms of having a conversation or even if you're sitting there and eating alone Having that quiet moment where we're not on our phones, we're not kind of watching the TV out of the corner of our eye, we might have time to have a conversation with our kids or our husband or our partner or our friends, our roommates, flatmates, whatever. It's just that chance to connect. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so interesting that I hear so many people on the podcast talk about the power of sharing a meal, you know, and they can be talking about it from the point of view of community or from the point of view of food, and uh, how we prepare it, where it's grown, all of those, those kind of things. But it almost always comes back to this idea of sitting down and sharing a meal, which I think yeah. is really beautiful.
2: One, one of the um, – I did some work for – some voluntary work for um, the city of Port Phillip and it was, it was a program called Food Mate and it was basically um, helping people – who who didn't have food security, so they might live somewhere and not have a fridge or a cooker, or they might never have learnt how to cook. Not, you know, not necessarily have a lot of money. Um, a lot a lot of them um, had very limited incomes, and and the program was an eight week program where um, they, it was run in a church hall. It was it was. And people would come and we'd just sit around the table and we'd talk a little bit about, so we'd have a different theme every week. So we'd talk maybe, you know, about how you get more vegetables into your diet. And then we'd all go off into the kitchen and we'd make lunch. So we'd make, you know, a main course and a, and a dessert. And then we'd all sit around the table and eat it together afterwards. And it was just, I loved that. It was one of the best programs. You were kind of giving people skills on how to cook, but... Also, you, you had this like, group of people from all different backgrounds, and you were just creating this community where you were kind of sitting, talking, getting to know them. And like the difference from week one, where everybody was like, a little bit shy, to week eight, where these really strong bonds had formed, and it was all based around the food. And like it was, it was fantastic. That's
1: such a beautiful programme.
2: Awesome. That's, yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, I I would do I'd love to do something like that all the time, except that it's voluntary and I can't. Yeah. But um of, what it's funny, when I when I was going through the concussion and and like everything was like quite challenging from for me, that was kind of the one thing that I could do every week that I felt really peaceful and happy and relaxed doing it because it it just created just this incredible um just this lovely atmosphere between everybody and, and it was fun and engaging, but, but people just got so much out of it. Yeah, that's, I just think that's such a beautiful thing to,
1: to pull together for the community. Yeah. Um, before I let you go, I'm curious, what did you learn, I guess, about um, stress and hurrying and busyness when you were suffering from your concussion? Did, you, did, that, did that forced kind of um, – that forced stop – yeah. teach you anything about how you know we we constantly remain busy or you know we're always doing rather than being
2: yeah it was a it was a massive lesson to me it was it was um i basically had to stop completely mm. for quite a while um and it makes you think of things from all different angles because the other thing like outwardly you just look normal and pe- people think that you're normal but inwardly you can't think straight and you know I was kind of used to having a brain that would run very fast and when it kind of altered the way it thought it was really challenging for me so it was quite isolating. Um, in terms of I, I, had to be, I had to basically rule everything out of my life that caused me any kind of stress at all. And the things that were causing me stress were kind of noise and um, lights and busyness and, and phones. And so um, I think it taught me um, mobile phones just you know they've got their place but really you don't need to carry it around all the time you don't need to answer it the moment it rings you don't need to be joined to it it's you know it's there it's supposed to be something that 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 we use to help us communicate but it ends up kind of ruling your life so that was a massive lesson to me because I because I've been on call 24 7 for so many years I was so connected to my phone and like just being able to put it on one side I didn't even like speaking on the phone so I so I just didn't um and and that's something that i've kind of kept mm. um checking my emails all the time do you know like you you create pressure and you create stress for yourself which you don't really need to do like you know if if somebody waits a day to get a response it's not you know it's not the end of the world you don't have to see if somebody's contacted you every minute of the day to feel that you you kind of that you exist yeah and i
1: think that's um it's it's kind of a two two-sided issue i guess it's the the fear of not being on top of things or the fear of being ignored you know yes um yeah it's it's really interesting so you you just had to switch off from
2: just switched off from yeah. it all and you know i don't um and i and i don't i don't regret it and i you know i i kind of think about how much time every day i used to spend playing with my phone and on social media and, um, you know, checking emails and fiddling around on my computer for no apparent reason <laughs> and, you know, it, it's just pointless. It's a total waste of time and energy. It kind of fires your brain up in all, like it used to make me so anxious when I had the concussion that it just you just know it's not playing with your brain correctly like sitting in front of a screen all the time. And, a lot, and so much of it is just busy work, you know. It's, it's just busy work, it's, yeah. yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and you're not creating anything. You're not being effective. You're not you, – you, there's no purpose to it. It's just kind of stuff to do. So I think moving all that to, to one side and just, you know, I've checked my emails twice a day now. I, you know, if I take my dog for a walk, I leave my phone at home you know I'm gone for half an hour if somebody contacts me in that half an hour I'm like hey I can call them <laughs> you know, I don't have to be there straight away so just you know it's little things but it, it just gives you breathing space and and creating that those little moments of breathing space in your day every day it just helps you handle the stress and stop it building up I think.
1: Exactly, it's that idea of boundaries. You know, yes. I was talking to a group of people on the weekend about the same idea, and you know, the concern is uh, if I'm not available, then I will be seen to not be doing my job properly, or I'm ignoring somebody, or I'm not being a good friend or parent or whatever. But it's that uh, that that if we can implement boundaries of our own making, like yes. answering emails twice a day or not being available on the phone from 6 p.m. on a Friday to 8 a.m. on a Monday, you know, those kind of boundaries. No one's going to die um, unless you're a surgeon or something and you're on (laughs) call, in which case don't turn your phone off. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's and people will respect those boundaries. It might take them a minute to get used to it, but then that's just what you do. And, you know, I think if we don't protect that white space that head space that 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 quiet time well no one else is going to do it well, for us exactly it. that's yeah.
2: just, no, nobody nobody's going to look after you you've yeah. got to look after yourself yeah and that, that that's with everything that's with you know with what you eat and, and and doing a bit of exercise and everything like creating good patterns and good things in your life that will help you to to thrive exactly
1: Oh, well, excuse me. Thank you so much for talking to me. I I actually could completely sit and talk with you for another hour. Um, (laughs) The longest podcast
2: in history.
1: (laughs) I've got an hour 20 before, so. (laughs) Uh, No, I really appreciate it, though.
2: You're very welcome. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Brooke. Bye-bye.
1: This has been another episode of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening.